I only share with what God has shared with me because for me that's what I do. That's how I, I learn and I, I kind of, that's how I prepare my sermons. And one thing you learn is for me, I'm, if I was to summarize how I do my sermons is that I'm a storyteller. I, I share stories. I, I tell of what God has, what impact is out of my life. And so you won't hear the whole gist of my story today, but I give little glimpses mostly every week. And I do the same thing in what I did with my wife. I didn't give everything out in the first go because you'll probably run. So I, I, I wait till you fall in love with me and then I let you out on everything I do. It's only when I put the ring on it and I said, Bobby, this is who I really am and then you can't run no more now. <laughs> it's too late, I put the ring. So um, every little bit, testimony, testimony, testimony. But I'm really excited to share with what God has impressed on my heart with you today. If I was to sum up my life, living in a Kanji household with my mum and dad, I would say the kind of faith my dad had growing up in, with me was military-based faith. In my household, whatever dad said, you did. And whatever he told you to do, you did. If he said, Ian, when the Sabbath rolls in, you turn off the TV, you don't argue, you turn off the TV. When all my mates went out on Friday night, you said, no, you're in the house. When all my mates went to play soccer for big teams and they were on a Saturday, my dad would say, no, you're not, we're going to church. No questions. No complaining, you just did it. You see, my dad worked in 30 years for, or in, the, in the prisons. So he worked at Parkley Correctional Center and he's a, he's a strong man and he always said, man, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, there's no problem about that <laughs> kind of thing. And so you listen to me and don't, don't question. Every time we went shopping and I kind of saw kids complaining to their parents, I kind of get nervous because like, oof, if I did that, I get, I get a whooping right now. But um, in my household, you did what you were told. And as long as my dad was happy, we were good. And that kind of carried on into my faith in that I looked at my relationship with God is as long as I did what I was meant to do, what I was kind of taught to do, my relationship with God was good. Does that make sense? So um, commandments, laws, going to church, doing the offering, singing songs, involved, Bible studies, if I was doing those things, my relationship with God was good because I was doing what a good Christian should do. That was my kind of approach growing up as a kid, looking at this whole God element because it kind of transitioned to, from dad to Christianity for me. But as I got into my teens, it led to frustration because... I really resonate with Paul in his battles where why do the things I know I should do, I do not do, and the things I shouldn't do, I do. That was me to a T. And I struggled with the Christian world because I was always getting in trouble, and because I was getting in trouble not doing the things I did, I was struggling with my walk with God because I always thought, man, this, this God must really not like me because this whole week has been a kind of a, a write-off. 
And I looked at Christianity with this checklist approach. As long as I crossed my T's, as long as I did what I was supposed to do, God was good. And if I wasn't doing that, I was in trouble. And that led to frustration. Turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, if you have your phones, Bibles, I think as I walked in, I saw Bibles underneath your seats. You can grab one of those. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, the rich young ruler. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. <clears throat> and let me just pray with you as we go into God's word. Father God, it is so good to be with your people. It is so good to be in this place. And I just pray, Father, as we open your word, as we read from you, may we see you, may we hear you, and may the words that you have for us, may not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. So speak to our hearts, Father God. Move us is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran to him and fell to his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony, and you, shall, and you shall not fraud. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything that you have, that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. We need to be intentional in the picture that Mark is trying to paint in the way he's bringing out this story. First of all, Mark says there was a young man and he was running. Back in the Old Testament, it was against taboo for anyone to run in public. If you were of prestige, if you were of honor, if you were of, of standing, you did not run in public. If you were important, if you were running late, they will wait for you because you're worth waiting for. You did not do these things in public, and if you did, it was for something very, 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 very desperate. You read in Scripture, another point where the man ran is the prodigal son, where the father runs to his son. And the Bible is trying to show us that this man was so desperate to be with his, his lost son that he ran to him. So here we have the exact same picture where this young man is running to Jesus because he is at a point of desperation. He's desperate and he is exhausted he's, he's in points of his life and he's been trying to find answers and he's found just nothing but dead ends and he's exhausted at this point so he's running in public something you should not do but here mark is trying to paint for us he is desperate the next thing he says to jesus is this what must i 
do. I resonate with this young man because just like me, Christianity was very much a checklist. What must I do? I have been doing everything that I need to do, but there's something not right. What must I do? Because I feel as if I've crossed all my T's and I've listened to the rabbis, I've listened to the pastors, I've listened to the teachers, I've listened to my parents, and I've been doing everything from a young age, but it is not right because I am empty. So here I am running to you. Have you ever felt like that before? We need to look into the Greek term to find out what this man is actually seeking because he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? When we first read this scripture, we think he's trying to find a way into heaven. He's trying to find out, how do I get eternal life? How do I live forever? How do I get into the pearly gates? What must I do? Because I feel as if the things I'm doing before don't quite cut it. But that is not what this young man is after. We need to go into the Greek text to figure out what he's, uh, he's after. And the Greek text for eternal is actually ionos. Ionos. And Ionos translation is not actually a longevity, meaning he's trying to live forever, eternal life. Ionos is actually quality. When he's asking the rabbi, when he's asking Jesus, what must I do for the Ionos? He's, actually, he's asking the rabbi, he's asking Jesus, what must I do to have peace now? He's not interested so much, how do I get into heaven? He's trying to find peace now. Because everything he's been doing before wasn't bringing him peace. It wasn't cutting it. He thought the checklist approach would do it, but it didn't do it. So he's running to the rabbi saying, I have been doing these things, but something is missing in this beating heart of mine, and I need you to fill it because everything else does not cut it. What must I do to be blessed? What must I do to have peace now? Help me, because I am desperate. So Jesus turns to this man and starts to shoot off the commandments. Bang, 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 bang. I love Jesus because he doesn't like giving the answers straight away. He, he wants you to think. For me, if you would know about me, is another thing I forgot to leave out. I'm a big, I'm a big movie buff. And one of my favorite movies, kind of movies, are those ones that really get you to think. My wife just likes the explosions, the big bang, boom, boom, boom. And if you have enough explosion, enough action, she goes, that was a great movie. And I'll be like, that was a horrible storyline. Action man comes in, stays a day, girl falls in love, the end. Now, I need, I need deep things. I need things that get you thinking. I need things that really, at the end, you're like, what is this movie about? But at the end, it comes together. You're like, man, that was deep. That's the kind of movies I like. And Jesus, for me, we, I think we're very similar in that he wants to get the people, his people thinking. He doesn't want to give this man the answer straight out. So the readers as well, as we're reading it, we need to look at what is Jesus saying? What is he trying to tell this young man? Because when we look at the commandments he lists, everything is in chronological order except for one. 
And you think, well, that's not by chance, that is deliberate. So what is he trying to do here? Everything, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not lie, you shall not covet. And the last commandment that he grabs is actually the commandment that should have been ahead of all those commandments. And I'll break it down a bit later. In that honor your father and mother was the head of all those ones, but actually he grabs that commandment and he brings it last. And what he's trying to do here with this rich young man, he sees this rich young man and says, I know that you are kind of together. I know in order to be where you are in life, you've had to do a lot of things, you've had to make a lot of decisions, and you've put a lot of you at first before anyone else. You've made a lot of money, you've got in a high position, so if you are trying to find happiness, let me ask you this question. How is your relationship with your mom and dad? He leaves that last because he wants this young man to pick that out. Why did I change it? Because I want to emphasize this point. What is your relationship with those closest to you? If you want happiness, point number one, Jesus the great rabbi is saying this. If you want happiness, if you want peace in life, check yourself with those that mean the most to you. Your parents, your children, your sons, your daughters, your family. Because they are important. They are pivotal for life. In ministry, when I started ministry, my number one rule was this, God first, my family second, then church, then work. I always make sure that my wife feels loved. I make sure that she is happy in what we are doing and where we are in life. One of the main reasons we decided to move is because she just works 10 minutes down the road and her family lives here. We're actually expecting our second child now. And I, and I learned a big, big... Oh, thank you. Um, I learned a big, big lesson. I'm not actually doing that much. She's doing all the work. <laughs> I learned a big lesson the first time. I made some mistakes that we struggled in our first pregnancy. And I said, you know what? I'm making sure that she's happy in the second one. So we moved to her family that we got support there. But one thing I've learned in, in what we're approaching 10 years of marriage now is that if those that matter to you are close to you and they are loved by you and you are loved by them, that for me is number one to happiness in life. Check yourself with those closest to you. Say sorry if you need to. Make up if you need to. But make sure you are close to them. This is number one point. Make sure you're loved by those closest to you and you love them back. That is number one point in being happy. The second thing Jesus says is this. The commandments he, he, he hits off are actually the second part of the commandments. When we look at the commandments, the first part of the commandments is love the Lord your God. You shall have no, you shall worship no other idols. You shall um, not disrespect the name. You shall not, uh, what's it up? Sabbath day keeping. The first set of commandments all have to do with your relationship with God. But he doesn't name those ones. The commandments he shoots off have to do with the relationship with people. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. Do not lie. Jesus is saying this. Point number two is this. If you want peace in life, how is your relationship with the people around you as well? Let's extend that circle. 
How are you with your neighbor? How are you with your church? How are you with your friends? How are you with people down the streets? Are you connecting with them? Do you have a circle of friends that connect with you and you have a circle of friends that support you? How do you treat random people? If you want peace, learn to love not only your inner circle, but learn to love your outer circle as well. This is the secret to the second part in life. The commandment says, love the Lord your God. The golden commandment is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Then the second is, is equal to the first is love your neighbors as yourself. God says, it's important to love me. I understand that. But you need to have relationships outside as well. Treat those around you with care, compassion. Make sure that when people see you, they, they see something different about you, that you are caring, that you are loving, that you put others first. How is your relationship with your outer circles? This is point two. As Jesus is shooting off this, this young man does not get the points. He is completely missed it because when Jesus is smashing the commandments, all this young man hears is checklist all over again. Bang, 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 bang. Do not murder. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't killed anyone. Do not steal. I haven't stolen. I haven't done this. Yes, good. I've done that. Lord, Rabbi, I've done these things, but yet I am empty. He just sees checklist approach. He does not see the writing between the lines. He does not see hear what Jesus is trying to tell him. He just doesn't get it because he goes back to default mode. He goes back to what he knows, that checklist approach, and he is completely lost. I've done this, Rabbi, from a young age. Tell me something that I don't know because the things I do know don't help me. It just goes over the top of his head. But I love what Mark says next. For those who are here for the first time, for those who are new to the Christian walk, and those who have been in here forever, it doesn't really matter. This point will relate to you. This is the God that we serve. That even when we stuff up, that even when we don't get it, even though when we make mistakes and, we, and we're just lost and we, we, we just keep on falling down on our feet. The Bible says Jesus looked at this young man and though he did not get it, he looked at him, he says, and he loved him. This is the God that we serve. That even when you muck up in life, God looks at you and says, I love you still. You may, you may feel as if you don't get it. You may feel as if that you're lost. You may feel as if that you don't really cut this whole Christian walk because it just doesn't make sense or doesn't really relate to you or it's hard to follow. This is number one in the Christian walk. God loves you. And I love how Mark says that. The young man didn't get it and he was frustrated but Jesus looked to him and loved him. You are loved by the God most high. That is the most important thing. And he turns to this young man. And if I was to sum up the third point to one word, he says something to him, but it doesn't mean that this is for everyone. It comes down to one point, really. The third point, he says, is, all right, if, if you want blessing, if you want life, if you want the ionos, the true, what the secret to life is this, the, first, the word I want you to get is on this, this. Learn to give. 
Learn to give. The Bible says the moment you learn to give, you will receive. That is the secret to life. This became true to me a couple of years ago. God is trying to tell us in this verse, he says, find the joy. Find the joy in giving. Because the moment you find the joy in giving, life takes a new turn. As a kid, my grandma, she was one of my favorite people in the whole world because whenever it came to birthdays, whenever it came to Christmases, she was like a guru. She always knew what you needed or what you wanted. When it came to Christmases, I don't know how, I never say anything, but when we opened up the box, there was a gift that you needed. I remember the first time we opened a gift and back in the old day, the, the thing was the Game Boy, this big uh, today's a bit different, it's small Game Boys, but back then it was a big box Game Boy, and when I opened up the box, I saw the Game Boy, I was like, oh snap, and the Pokemon game was in there, I was like, oh damn, yeah, how did Grandma know that, Grandma, how did you know, Grandma knows, I called her Gomia in French, Gomia, how did you know, I know, don't ask, just give, to receive, amen, um, I remember another Christmas, we opened up the box, and in the box was a, a 6x6 Scorpion racer, how did you know, Gomia, I just know, so every time Christmas came about, every time birthday came about, I was extra excited to open Gomez's present because she always had the gift that we wanted. I love Christmases all the more because of these things. When I got into my, I would say, late teens, young adults, the gifts started to deteriorate. They started to turn to socks and undies, which probably I probably need more these days now. <laughs> Definitely now because of the moving box, I can't find undies. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, I'm actually wearing my Tuesday undies. <laughs> and um, not Tuesday that I've been wearing for five, six days. No, no, no. I mean Tuesday because they say Tuesday on it. I could only find the Tuesday undies. But um, too much information, that's me. Just get what you, what you receive. When I got old into my life, the, the presents started to deteriorate, and because the presents started to deteriorate, Christmas lost meaning for me. That I wasn't excited as much for Christmas because, yeah, socks, undies, yeah, I get it, thank you, thank you, God, yeah, man. Um, when the Christmas started to come, I wasn't as excited, it lost that kind of spark to it. And it only started picking up for me kind of three years ago. When we, we had our, our, you okay, man? We, we, had our, we had our first daughter, Ava. And I was able to buy her first present. And when I was able to buy her a Christmas present and kind of see the excitement, I was like, man, there was joy in that. When I was able to buy a Christmas present for someone, when I was able to buy a Christmas present for my wife, when I was able to go to work and earn a living and buy Christmas presents for my parents, for the first time, Christmas started to come back because I found the joy in giving. It was rediscovered in that. And here Jesus is saying this, if you want peace, if you want love, if you want that ionos that you are so desperately seeking in life, find the joy in giving. Because once you do that and you live a life outside of yourself and live a life for other people, you will find life again. 
For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. He gave. He gave. And he continues to give. Find the joy in giving. Those three points, church, I want to leave with you. As we go into the new year, as we go into 2020, 2020, the year of vision, keep those three points close to your hearts. Point number one, how is your relationship with those closest to you? Make sure you tell your husband, make sure you tell your wives, make sure you tell your kids, I love you. Make sure they know that they are loved by you. Point number two, let's extend that circle just a little bit more. Treat those around you with care, compassion, and love. May they know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ by the way that you treat them. The Bible says they will know that you are my disciples because you love. Treat those, extend that circle, love, love. And when you can't love anymore, love some more. And point number three, find the joy in giving. Because when you give, you will receive the ionos that the great rabbi wants us to learn the blessed life today now joy in giving let us pray our father our god <laughs> words can't describe to you how amazing you are We can't even fathom how deep your love is for us. But Lord, let us just start by saying we love you. Lord, I want to pray a blessing on this church. I want to pray a blessing on these people, their families that they represent, their circles that they're in contact with. Lord, may this year of 2020 of vision be a year of impact. May those who are closest to us, may they know that, they, that we love them. May anyone that we come into contact with, may we know that we are your children because we love them. And Lord, may we find the ionos, the joy in giving. Teach us, Lord. But we are so thankful that when we stuff up, when we make mistakes, when we don't get it, you look to us and you love us. Lord, you are great. You are good. Thank you, our Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.